Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Keep listening to find out why you can't concentrate on anything and why that might not be your fault. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week is The Book Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, a book I thoroughly enjoyed that came out just a couple of months ago. I know a couple of other people have really enjoyed reading this as well, so if that is you, or if it's on your reading list, keep listening to find out more about why you should read this book. Now, in the next few weeks, I'd love to do an Ask Me Anything bonus episode. So, and some maybe some posts or some newslettery type things about that. So, if you've got a question about books, about reading, about habits, about anything that you think I might have some level of idea on, which who knows what that could be, then drop me a note at steph at stephclark.com. I'll put those details in the show notes and you can send me a note and, well, ask me anything. You can also send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Steph's Biz Bookshelf. Biz with a B-I-Z in the middle of that name. At Steph's Biz Bookshelf. So if you are more of an Instagram kind of person than an email kind of person, you can contact me there instead. So I'm looking forward to hearing your questions, thoughts, comments, things you would like me to talk about in the next few weeks. All right, there's a lot to talk about this book. So let's get into it. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the book, a little bit about the author, and then get into the three big ideas. Bit about the book. All over the world, our ability to pay attention is collapsing. In the US, college students now focus on one task for only 65 seconds, and office workers on average manage only three minutes. New York Times bestselling author Johan Hari went on an epic journey across the world to meet the leading scientists and experts investigating why this is happening to us, and discovered that everything we think we know on this subject is wrong. We think our inability to focus is a personal failing, a flaw in each one of us. It's not. This has been done to us by powerful external forces. Our focus has been stolen. Johan discovered that there are 12 deep cases of the crisis, all of which have robbed some of our attention. He shows how he learnt this in a thrilling journey that takes him from Silicon Valley dissidents who figured out how to hack human attention to vets who diagnosed dogs with ADHD, from a favela in Rio where everyone lost their attention in a particularly surreal way, to an office in New Zealand that discovered a remarkable technique to restore their workers' attention. Crucially, he learnt how, as individuals and as a society, we can get our focus back, if we are determined to fight for it. The answer will surprise you and thrill you. It's a book about our attention crisis unlike any you've read before. And that was taken from stolenfocusbook.com. Link, as usual, is in the show notes. If you haven't heard of Johan Hari, here's a little bit about him. He's a Swiss-British writer who has authored three New York Times bestselling books. They've been translated into 38 languages and have been praised by a broad range of people, from Oprah to Noam Chomsky to from Elton John to Naomi Klein. His latest book, Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention, was published in January 2022. And his first book, Chasing the Scream, The First and Last Days of the War on Drugs, I've not read that one, I would really like to, was adapted into an Oscar-nominated film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. And his second book, Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions, I loved that book, was described by the British Journal of General Practice as one of the most important texts of recent years and shortlisted for an award by the British Medical Association. His TED Talks have been viewed more than 80 million times. The first is named Everything You Think You Know About Addiction Is Wrong. And the second is This Could Be Why You Are Depressed or Anxious. Again, I'll link to those in the show notes as well. And that was all taken again from stolenfocusbook.com. Link in the show notes. I talked about Lost Connections probably two years ago. I can't remember exactly which episode number that is, but I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes as well 
fantastic book and a book that will really make you think carefully and probably think again about a few things around mental health etc that, that maybe you had assumed otherwise or conventional wisdom had taught you different things all right three big ideas from the book stolen focus by johan hari big idea number one the 12 reasons you can't pay attention all right it's not my snappiest big idea anyway the 12 reasons that uh, that johan shares is the reasons we can't pay attention anymore yes the first few do talk about technology so we'll talk about those in a second but then there's also all these other reasons as well he goes into so reason number one I'm going to share all 12. Reason number one is the increase in speed switching and filtering, which is our tendency to jump around so much more. And as one of the people he talks to talks about drinking from the fire hose of information, there's just so much information now available. Cause number two or reason number two is the crippling of our flow states or our, our, our disability to get into that flow state and concentrate on things for long periods of time. Reason number three is the rise of physical and mental exhaustion, our ability or the, the fact that we are not sleeping as well as we could or should or used to, and the, the role that technology and stress and work and insecurity and financial insecurity and things play on our sleep and our exhaustion. Reason number four is the collapse of sustained reading, especially longer and more complex texts. That's definitely something that resonates for me. Reason number five is the disruption of mind wandering. We are we numb ourselves against boredom or about against doing nothing. So we're always connected to something. We're always doing something rather than just going for a walk and enjoying nature or having our mind wander. And that's where we come up with those connections and good ideas. Reason number six is the rise of technology that can track and manipulate us. It's probably no surprise there. So the algorithms, the incentives be built to feed us certain types of information. Reason number seven is the rise of cruel optimism or this idea that it's personal interventions that can save us and it's our fault that therefore we can't concentrate anymore. Reason number eight is the surge in stress and how it triggers vigilance, which is more around why insecurity, particularly around financial insecurity and uncertainty, trashes our brains and stops us being able to focus. Reason number nine and 10 is our deteriorating diets and rising pollution. So again, systemic issues of the impacts of food systems and what that means in terms of our nutrition and then also the pollution around us as well. Cause number 11, reason number 11 is the rise of ADHD and how we are responding to it or the predication for us to medicate rather than find out actually what's happening for, for people, particularly children. And cause number 12, reason number 12 is the confinement of our children psychologically and physically. They can't imagine or play anymore. And there's some pretty sobering case studies and examples in the book of exactly this. James Williams, who's one of the people that Johan talks to, who used to work for Google, talks about this idea that that we are living through, as he says, a denial of service attack on our minds. So this denial of service attack, as you may or may not be familiar with, it's a hacking type of technique where enormous amount of computers try to connect to a website all at once and therefore overload the servers and overload the, 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 the web traffic and therefore it can't cope. It's kind of what's happening to our brains is this denial of service attack. Our brains can't work because there's just so much flooding into it all at once. So these 12 reasons of why we can't pay attention is what uh, Johan goes through. He talks to all sorts of different people who have been researching and looking into this. Look, if you, I'm almost, I'm almost waiting for the maintenance phase episode to come out on some of this around, particularly around the diet type one. How much of this, you know, particularly some of the social science elements, you do wonder, 
are these replicable yeah do is there such a strong correlation as some of these areas would have you believe or some of these interviews and and case studies would have you believe i don't know it's it's really hard to tell but some of it is pretty compelling and definitely worth a thought about even if you find that some of the evidence or connection there is not as strong as it is made out to be so that's big idea number one the 12 reasons you can't pay attention Big idea number two is the system is rigged. And this really goes along all of those or almost all of those different different reasons we can't pay attention. So the 12 reasons is how the book is broken down and the, the structure that he goes through, talking to different people and scientists and researchers, etc., that have been doing the work around this. But the underlying theme really is that the system is rigged. And this isn't just about Facebook or big tech, but a lot of the big tech companies reward structures are based around use more use equals more data which is what they sell which means more money people from the inside of these tech companies be it google be it facebook be it some of the other big ones are now speaking out about the decisions being made internally in those organizations and why they're being made it's completely in the company's controls to make the different decisions, make the ones that would actually be an improvement to society that would maybe get back to where social media could have been and maybe was 10 15 years ago when it first started and it was much more nice really that's that's really what it was and that's a lot of why a lot of people embrace social media was for the reasons it started however they know that something that creates inflammation and anger gets a bigger response it gets more shares it gets more attention and therefore that's what they that's what they push to us the timeline and the infinite scroll that's in a lot of social media platforms could also easily be changed at the flick of a switch, but they don't because the more you're on there, the longer that keeps that infinite scroll with the the distorted timeline in terms of it's not chronological, the more that you'll keep looking at it. We can't just tech detox ourselves out of this by silencing our notifications or going on a silent retreat or something like that. A lot of the people designing this stuff won't let them their kids use it. They won't use it themselves. So it just goes to show that if they're not eating their own dog food, why should we be the, the guinea pigs doing that? Why should we be the ones eating this? James Williams, who I mentioned earlier, he's a former Google strategist and was is now very much a dissenter against Google. He was talking at a particular conference and it was the leading tech designers were at this conference. And he asked them the simple question, how many of you want to live in the world that you are designing? And said so there was a silence in the room. People looked around and nobody put up their hand. It really is the dumbing down of humanity and society, the way that social media platforms are changing the conversation and shaping the conversation, which is just really quite terrifying. And never mind when you get into the stories and the evidence around radicalization and some of the other really dark things that social media platforms are feeding people and continue to feed people because that's what the algorithm does. But at the same time, we can't just not use tech. It's too simplistic and too unrealistic. But it is worth considering what we're using and how we're using it. People like Nir Eyal. So I talked about Nir's book, Undistractable, a couple of years ago as well. He literally wrote the book called Hooked. And it became the book that they use in these big tech companies to build their platforms and build their systems and services in a way that people cannot not use them. And there's an interview between Johan and Nier in the book, which is kind of heated. And it talks about how Nier is like, no, if you're, you know, if you're an idiot and you can't turn off your notifications, that's on you. But he literally, like I said, wrote the book on how to design the programs so that you don't want to turn off your notifications. And he, he's developed the tech that people can't escape from. 
So it's really interesting to hear this different perspective or this this challenge of someone like Nir Eyal's views and his work around personal responsibility in tech. And yeah, there's a role for that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But it just goes to show that so many of the systems, and, and I've just talked about some of the tech examples there, but it's the same with some of the food systems about what gets rewarded around the low cost and therefore the decisions that are made in order to maintain the status quo, maintain shareholder profitability rather than maintain nutritional value. And then equally with climate change as well, there's some climate examples in there around pollution and thinking about, again, the the difference in longevity, the different in health outcomes for people living in areas where there is generally where there is more pollution. And they talked about some examples of that from around the world versus those who get to live in slightly cleaner areas as well. And it just goes to show the, the, the level of systemic issues at play in terms of health, in terms of wellness, in in terms, and I know that's a terrible word, I don't really like the word wellness, but there we go. But you know what I mean, that holistic health and well-being of society and populations. And it's really hard to read some of this and feel not feel like you're being taken down a conspiracy theory (laughs) kind of route. But at the same time, you're just thinking, well, given how public some of this information is, you're like, well, actually, it's not really conspiracy. It's more, this is actually how things are happening and what's happening and that we are the guinea pigs in this experiment. So there we go, that's big idea number two, the system is rigged. Bigger idea number three is what to do. So one of the things that the book is not about is hacks. So some of the books like, to extent, Cal Newport's work around deep deep work and focus and things, definitely near IOWA's books around indistractable and around you know, turning off your notifications and how to use technology and things. This book is not that. So this book is not about how to hack your way around the, the systems that are rigged against you and so it's kind of setting us all up to fail. At the same time, it's easy to throw our hands up in the air and assume that we can't do anything because there's such huge powers at play. So there is a balance of using things in a smarter way. So some of the things that Johan talks about and the individual things that he talks about is keeping his phone in a case safe, which is a lockable box. So between certain hours, he'll put his phone in there and you literally cannot get your phone out unless you smash the box. So that's one kind of extreme way. He uses the Freedom app, which is something I've actually used as well and have a subscription to, which you can use to block certain websites or block emails and things when you want to really focus on deep work. He also doesn't beat himself up, but asks himself what he could do to get himself in a flow state. So if he is feeling distracted, he just thinks, right, what what do I need to do to get myself into a better place to do some work or whatever it is he needs to do, read a book. He takes six months off of social media per year, which I really like that example. And he gets a friend to change his passwords. Now, he doesn't take six months off in one go, but he takes a couple weeks off every month or, or breaks it up throughout the year so that in total he takes about six months off a year. He goes out for walks without his phone, which again is quite a pleasant thing to to think about. And he also has godchildren who he prioritizes free playtime with. One of the examples in the book or the, the anecdotes in the book is that this school started doing free playtime and started to break some of the really strong structures that they have around play. And what they found is that some of the kids just did not know what to do. When given a room of toys and things to do where they had to, it was much more around using their imagination to come up with a game or some kind of make-believe type thing. They just, they just couldn't. And some of them just laid down and went to sleep because they're just like, well, (laughs) I just don't know what else to do. I'm just going to lay down and have a nap instead, which I think sounds like an absolutely fine alternative. But what it went to show is that there's some of the kids who just were so connected to devices all the time, just weren't used to not being fed entertainment and having to make their own was just overwhelming and unwieldy thing to to have to do. 
So he prioritizes that free to play time with with the godchildren who he's quite involved with. The pandemic, he says, supercharged the direction in which we're heading. So if we were heading down and careering down a pretty miserable path when it comes to technology use and our stolen focus, that unfortunately has been exacerbated by the last couple of years because we're much more connected. We're spending much more time on devices, trying to block out the outside world, numbing and all of those things. He also importantly calls for a bigger change. He calls it attention rebellion, which I thought was quite fun, which would call for ban the banning of surveillance capitalism, selling people's information and attention for obviously for money. He also is a huge advocate for the four day work week in order to reduce certain stresses and give people more space and time for the 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 brain break that they need in order to work really well and connect and spend time doing other things and rebuilding childhood and the freedom around childhood that many people people probably in the generation certainly above mine would have experienced and enjoyed that is just not the case today he says it's small creative groups of individuals and societies that will create this change it's why we have the weekends ultimately like it's it's small groups of people who get together and say this is not good enough something needs to change so we need to find the people doing that join them vote for them support them whatever it needs to be because without that nothing will actually change so that's big idea number three what to do so there we go. Three big ideas from the book Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Big idea number one, the 12 reasons you can't pay attention. Big idea number two, the system is rigged. And big idea number three, what to do. There's so much to go through in this book and I just wish I could have talked about even more of the examples and even more of the different case studies and things. He does actually publish quite a few of his interviews, partly because some of the trouble he got into a few years ago, but he does publish a lot of the interviews he did as audio. So you can listen to those as well, which obviously goes a bit deeper or more broader than what he can publish in the book. So that's worth listening to as well. I hugely recommend reading it. There's so much to think about. And like I said earlier, even if some of the science doesn't completely stack up or wouldn't necessarily stand up to some of the rigor, particularly some of the social science stuff, which is just such a hard, complex thing to make those kind of causation links to, then it's still worth really thinking about our technology use in particular, but also some of the other systems that we're plugged into too. And I particularly like that this wasn't just another hack book and wasn't just another book just about technology ruining our focus, that it talks about much broader systemic things too. If you've read this book, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me as usual using LinkedIn or Instagram. Contact details as usual are at the bottom of the show notes. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading.